This week's episode is brought to you by Elf Judy's Hot Cocoa Mix. Santa's favorite hot cocoa is made by the one and only Elf Judy. No matter what kind of day Santa's having, she can bring him out of a funk. She can make him happy. Her cocoa is the absolute best. And now you can enjoy it at home too. Visit ElfJudy'sHotCocoa.com and use the promo code TISTHEPODCAST to receive a free package of marshmallows with your next order. Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Oh, my God! Would you please tell him that instead of presents this year, I just want my family back. Rudolph, with your nose so bright, won't you guide my sleigh tonight? It must be magic. I must find some way to keep Christmas from coming. Nobody's walking out on this fun old-fashioned family Christmas. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? True, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing. The best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. Welcome to another episode of Tis the Podcast, the podcast that's determined to keep the Christmas spirit alive 365 days per year. I'm Anthony. I'm Julia. And I'm Tom. And Tom, I have to give you credit because you saved me this week, man. I did? You did. Because a few months ago in the Tis the Podcast subreddit, you made the post asking people to post their Christmas playlists. And, uh... I had posted in it, but when I plugged in my phone the other day, for some reason, iTunes completely wiped it from my phone, from the computer, everything. So I was like, no, that took so long to put together. And then I realized going back, wait, I think Tom made a post a while back and I was able to quickly rebuild it again. So oh, that's awesome. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I'm getting a great deal of agita just thinking about losing my playlists. A great deal of what? <laughs> Ajita? Ajita. <laughs> Angina? <laughs> I don't know what it sounds like, but how do you really say it if I've been saying it wrong my entire life? Uh, Ajita and angina are different. Um, Ajita is where the it's where the root of agitation comes. It's the same root as agitation. <laughs> I thought like you were talking about like a myocardial infarction. <laughs> <laughs> nope I, I had my i had my annual checkup this week and uh, everything is good no angina on my end or i've never heard angina ever maybe i've uh, seen one, it spelled out i'm not sure i've ever heard it said before probably not uh it, it entered into my vocabulary while i was working at a bank and we had to watch this video about uh uh oh theft or fraud or something and this this cheesy actress she says that this has caused us a great deal of agita like tipped her head and made this cheesy smile like i learned a new word and uh so we all started using it at the bank and it comes out far more uh, frequently than i probably care to admit (laughs) sorry for the dick and now that now that you've heard it you're going to start using it more too. watch 100 percent Everybody I know uses it now. It causes my wife a great deal of agita. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
You know what I watched this week? I watched National Lampoon's Vacation, not Christmas. And it does not hold up at all. It is so dated in a way that the Christmas one is not. It was crazy. I noticed that Christmas, European Vacation, and uh, Las Vegas all held up a lot better than the original. A lot better. Yeah. You know movie I watched this week? The Santa Claus 3. No Let's way. Think of that was a great segue, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, we are covering tonight Disney's 2006 requel and the finale of the Santa Claus trilogy, The Santa Claus 3, The Escape Clause. <sighs> Julia, <laughs> do, do you want to give us a plot synopsis? Sure, I'll follow up that deep sigh. <laughs> Christmas cheer turns into holiday chaos when Scott Calvin, a.k.a. Santa Claus, invites his in-laws and his ex-wife, new husband and daughter, up to the North Pole to spend Christmas in an effort to cheer up Mrs. Claus. Simultaneously, he must contend with Jack Frost's scheme to take over the North Pole via a third clause, the escape clause, which would turn back the clock and allow any Santa from escaping the obligations he took on by first putting on the famous red coat. Very concise. Good job. <laughs> so it was bookended by deep size. <laughs> so let's start as we always do with our histories of this movie. And Julia, why don't you start us out? Yeah. So I said last week when we talked about two, I think I saw three before I saw two and I very much did not like three. And I still think that's probably the case. I saw three on TV and just wasn't wasn't in it that didn't like all the stuff i should have liked and although i will say this most recent viewing of mine um changed my mind on a few things i'll just leave it at that Ooh, i'm interested there's your hook mm-hmm. listeners <laughs> tom how about you what's your history with this film don't know it was so unmemorable that i have no clue <laughs> <laughs> It's got to be one of those weeks. Okay. (laughs) Um, I saw this film in theaters. I didn't really like it then. I'm still not the biggest fan of it. I'll say it's a film of missed opportunities for me. There's stuff in there that could have been very good if they had better writers or directors to execute it. And I'll leave it at that until we dive into the plot. I, I will also say, though, that given that I don't really like this movie... Just due to how often it's played on Freeform, I see this movie a lot every year. And I'm not sitting down to watch it, but it's just on in the background while I'm doing dishes or doing something around the house because it's just the Christmas movie that's on Freeform. So I've seen this movie quite a lot considering I'm not the biggest fan of it. Mm -hmm. So all of the behind the scenes people who brought us a Santa Claus 2 are back to give us Santa Claus 3. It was directed by Michael Lembeck, written by Ed Dechter and John J. Strauss, and the music was done by George S. Clinton. And all of our favorite cast members from the first two are back. Tim Allen, Eric Lloyd, Wendy Crewson, Judge Reinhold, Elizabeth Mitchell, Spencer Breslin, and Liliana Mummy. And they're joined by three new actors this time around. Martin Short playing Jack Frost, Alan Arkin playing Bud Newman, and Anne-Margaret as Sylvia Newman. So, 
the escape clause. <laughs> Let's just dive right in. I'll start with a positive because I feel like this is going to be a very negative show for the most part. And I'll say for as much as the first two clauses were entrapment, it's nice that there is a clause on the business card that lets Santa Claus get out of <laughs> the uh, predicament they entrapped him in. And I will say as well that I'm glad the elves and Santa wised up. He didn't discover this clause all of a sudden. He knew what it was at the beginning of this film and could talk to it when it came up. So it wasn't a surprise to him. So that was a nice change of pace from the first two. I, yeah, I would agree with that. It's more legally sound. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know how they fit all that stuff on a business card. I don't know. It, I mean, sounds like something that, it sounds like something that would be written by a Cooley Law School grad, if you ask me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it may be le- more legally sound, but I don't know. Um, for as much offense as I took to him being entrapped into these clauses and, and then being missed, there's something a little bit more fun about the last two clauses. Mm-hmm. And maybe I yes. would like this one more if it weren't the circumstances around it. It just it did not yeah. do it for me. Yeah, I don't want to think about Santa getting out of his... Right? Getting, Santa out, of, deciding, getting out of the contract he was tricked into taking in the first place? You don't right. want to think Once, about him becoming a free man? No. No. Once he puts that suit on, man, he's in it to win it. He needs to just right? say, I mean, it was, a, yeah, so these are my issues with the movie are the subtle in some cases and maybe not so subtle in other cases, changes of people's character in this movie. And it's not consistent with any of the other ones so, at all. Yeah. So remember how for the Santa Claus 2 last week we discussed it was clear half of the movie was written by better writers and half the North Pole stuff was written by the worse writers. Well, only two writers from the Santa Claus 2 carried over to this movie and they must have handled all the North Pole stuff because 90% of this movie takes place at the North Pole and it was a lot off, worse off than the second one. So I, well, I'm going to be hard I on them. I don't know how they killed all my love of the North Pole from the first episode in the last two. I agree. Uh, I think it's because the North Pole in the second and especially the third looks like a window display at Macy's or something. It doesn't look like a real inhabitant. It's the same problem you had with the Grinch that I disagreed with you, Tom, that Whoville looked like it was just a display. It wasn't inhabited. It was fake. And that's how the North Pole in the second and especially this one looked to me. It does. Mm-hmm. It does. The first one looks so warm and inviting and homey, uh, kind of like you know my dream place to live. Um, and then we also have the whole issue with Santa and Coitus, in Coitus, in this that uh, it's inescapable that I'm not a big fan of thinking about. Right. So that wasn't mentioned in the plot synopsis. Um, Carol Newman, Mrs. Claus, is pregnant in this one, very heavily pregnant, nearing the end of her term. And uh, she doesn't want to be alone for Christmas, so she's all depressed. So Santa, that's why Santa, Scott Calvin, brings up her parents to spend Christmas with her at the North Pole. Or as they think it is, Canada. Canada. Which, oh my God, guys, how idiotic must her parents be, honestly? You mean Canada isn't just a bunch of children and one overweight dude with a big white beard? <laughs> Hashtag not my Canada. (laughs) (laughs) I may not have loved the North Pole in this movie, but I like it better than the whole 
step back into not Santa portion of the movie. That whole really? part of the movie. Oh, I yeah. I don't like that part. I was okay up so, until that part, and I didn't like any of it. I think because it's very heavy on the Martin Short, honestly. It just made me feel bad so, inside. So inside. for me, I thought the – first of all, the way they sold this movie – was as this alternate timeline adventure and to get back to his right timeline, but he's actually only in this alternate timeline for 25 minutes of this film. Yeah. Right. And I think that's what I liked that portion of the film because I felt when they were at the North pole, there was no, there was no, it was just very choppy. There was no like Jack Frost would set him up to embarrass himself in front of his in-laws he'd apologize, fix it, move on to the next scene where Jack Frost sits him up to embarrass himself. It just, there was nothing worth being on film to me in most of those scenes, whereas at least him going back in time and never putting on the suit offered some kind of plot for me. But, yeah, I did. that's how much I don't like that part, is even with either. all of the statements you just made about the North Pole, I really don't like the second part. I don't like, I'm with you. I don't like the idea of, of Santa escaping. Yeah, I don't either. You're stuck with me, and buddy. It, and, I, and I understand why they swung so wide. You know, here's how different it would have been if Jack Frost became Santa. I understand the wide swing, but it doesn't make me like it. So, like, so two questions I have about that. So do you think that's because that. of Jack Frost, though? Do you think that's because you don't like Jack Frost? Oh, like, I'm sure a lot like, of it. Because, that. see, for me, it would have been better, again, going to had Ira in the movie. From last week, I would have had Jack Frost be the North Pole villain in number two mm-hmm. while he was finding a wife. And in this one, if they were going to go with the alternate timeline thing, have just have him, his, like, uh, you know, it be much more It's a Wonderful Life or a Christmas Carol. Nobody tricked him into doing it. He wanted mm-hmm. out, did it himself, and realized how badly, like, he messed up. Mm-hmm. And I think that would have made it a better movie for me rather than having Jack Frost doing this entire thing to trick him into it. So, yeah, I mean, this is shocking, but I almost, I prefer Jack Frost's, Jack Frost as an antagonist versus toy Santa Claus from two. I agree. Very much so. As much as I don't like Martin Short in this movie. <laughs> but I kept thinking that. And I think that's what it was. I was like, wow, the North Pole stuff in two I prefer the North Pole stuff in three because there's no stinking toy Santa Claus with those stupid um, <laughs> nutcrackers or toy soldiers or whatever they are. Um, and so that these are the the feelings I'm not comfortable with expressing out loud, except I know this is a safe place regarding this movie that I have trashed, which I will continue to trash, but not as bad as I thought it was. <laughs> so where was Jack Frost last movie with the uh, the whole mythical... The Council of Mythical Creatures. Like, why wasn't well, why wasn't he there? I feel like he's just kind of oh, we need another idea. Oh, wait, here's Jack Frost. Well, number one, that's why I thought he would have fit better in number two, more naturally than just having mm-hmm. him show up in number three. But they do kind of allude to in this one, he's suspended from the council a lot because he's always breaking the rules and freezing Mexico and whatever else they accused him of doing, like trying to but, usurp Santa Claus. They did give a reason why he wasn't there. It, it, did, it wasn't a solid reason in my book, but they did try to explain it. It was an afterthought to me. I mean, I'm sorry, it was an afterthought. Um, we should have, I mean, if this was the, if this was, it shows to me that there's, this was not always the plan. This kind of just sort of happened because had it been the plan, uh, we would have seen, we would have had at least some mention of him in the last one. I mean, 
with everything going on with all of the legendary creatures, which again, I loved. That was my favorite mm-hmm. part of last movie. We should have had some mention of Jack Frost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. So let's talk about Jack Frost. Since all three of us don't seem to appreciate Martin Short's portrayal of Jack Frost. Um, <laughs> I don't. He, it's not just him, though. It's, it's everything about Jack Frost in here. It's his... Uh, the the costuming choices they had for him is uh, were awful. The the white hair just does not do it. Uh, it's he was almost as as much of a farce as uh, fake Santa last time. So everything from his costume to his flamboyant personality, I think he would have made a better snow miser than Jack Frost. Not that we haven't covered that film yet, the year without a Santa Claus, but I was getting. Like, if you watch that film, Snow Miser is very flamboyant and dresses very sharply in these blues and whites. And uh, no, so that's a vibe I was getting. Not that I have a particular image of what Jack Frost should be in my head, but um, mm. I just wasn't feeling the portrayal. And he just skewered closer to that for me. Well, and this was very much Martin Short playing Jack Frost. Like, you never forgot you were watching Martin Short. Right. And I've heard Pop Culture Happy Hour make the point before where good movies, you forget you're watching an actor and you know, you think you're watching the character, but in maybe not as strong acting performances, you never forget who you're watching. And this was very heavy on the Martin Short, which I like my Martin Short kind of like I like my Will Ferrell in very small doses. So you, I was about to ask, what are your feelings about him in general as an actor? I love him in Father of the Bride. Yeah, I love right? that movie. Yep. Um, I love him in Three Amigos. And um, Mars Attacks. I, I hate Mars Attacks. Not a fan of that movie. I but that really? Movie. I like, and then I like some of his tiny SNL bits, but yeah. small doses. And a friend of mine has said I need to watch Clifford. I have not watched it yet, but I'm going to. I don't like it. Dark comedy, so I'm going to give it a chance. I don't, I don't like Martin Short either. Father of the Bride was Martin Short. I forgot he was Martin Short. He he, he became exactly. that character so well. I think it's I if if I'd been older and I'd thought more about Tim Allen as Santa Claus, mm-hmm. it doesn't seem like it could be a, it should be a good fit. But when he becomes Santa, he becomes Santa and does it so well. And I think that's one of the other problems you have. You have Tim Allen as this amazing Santa and an awesome Scott Calvin. Although Scott Calvin mm-hmm. is really just like you know uh, Tim from Home Improvement or him from Last Man Standing, but he does it well. And you're just to positioning that against Martin Short being Martin Short. It, so, it didn't work for me. So it's funny you brought up Tim Allen as Santa for me. Because he never, even in the second one, quite hit those same highs as the first film for me. No. What? I can see that. Both in how they made him look. He just never looked as genuinely like Santa as he did in the first one when he puts on the suit with the beard and everything for the first time. And he just looked like Santa Claus. Like in the second one, but especially this one, there's something off with the makeup being, he looks very, not, I mean, not mall Santa, but he looks like a, he doesn't look genuine in my mind. I think it's because they didn't have to sell him and they yeah. did in the first yeah. one. I bet yeah. that's we, by this point, we just, we just accept him as Santa. he is Santa. Yeah. And I don't like, I don't like his Santa in this one. It wasn't consistent with me from even the second one. You know, the whole, I, I just, I understand why they did it, but I don't like it. I don't like this Santa. Um, 
uh, where he's not focused on what's important. And he's the fact that he can even be swayed from what's important given the last two movies. It's like, man, get your crap together. Seriously. You've had so that, to figure this out. And especially out. because he has this That's, great relationship with Charlie again, and he's got another yeah. baby on the way. And he's just walking away from all of that. But that's interesting yeah. to me, Julia, because we covered another movie where Santa was the overworked, neglectful of his family and Mrs. the Mrs. Santa Claus with Angela Lansbury. And you uh-huh. said Charles Durning as Santa was the weakest for you because he's a very somber, like overworked, like didn't pay attention type Santa Claus. Well, and 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 Santa was very weak for me in this movie. Yeah, no. So, so I, I think it's yeah. like your Santa sensibilities. Oh. That's, why, that's yeah, the point I was is. making, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, it is my Santa sensibility. <laughs> I don't want an overworked Santa that's not and not in it for his family. <laughs> and, but, okay, so let's carry that the character thing because like even um Neil, who I love, is not the same Neil in this movie. He's more caricature, he's stupid and I don't and I, what's up with the Eastern music whenever they show him doing <laughs> I, I'm going to say this about Neil, though, right? He is much more of a character caricature in this film. Mm-hmm. But it worked for me because they built up in the last one, right? He was so excited. Santa Claus is part of this blended family they had made. So yeah. that he gets to go to the North Pole from the first one when he didn't believe in any of this stuff at all to... Yeah somehow managing to swing an invitation to spend Christmas at the North Pole in this one. That worked for, like, his excitement to be there worked for me, even though it was over the top. I I, loved that part. The getting to it and then getting there, I loved that part. It was kind of like everything after that. But he wasn't really in it much, right? Because they froze him right away. Yeah, but I don't don't know what it was. You know know what I missed? A lot of overacting in this movie. I missed Bernard. Oh, I did too. I did too. Let me tell you something. None of this would have gone down the way it did if Bernard was around. Right, exactly. They're that inept Curtis still. Did they even make a mention as to where That's he was? That's what I was going to say. They didn't even, like, he just uh-uh. disappeared off the, no, he off the face of the head. North Pole. He's just gone. Yeah. So I'm in, in the, now. Didn't he say that at some point? Curtis so in the I'm young adult novelization, Bernard's in it. In the, There's a young adult novelization. I was you know, about like to ask those, the same question. Yeah. Clause three, the escape clause. I never read it. Shortly, I was about to say, and you've read it? No, 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 no. no. <laughs> when, I was, when I was doing my research for this film, so Bernard was in the original script and made it far enough to get himself in the novelization, but um, then they couldn't work out scheduling with whatever else the actor was doing at the time, so they had to cut him completely and kind of just make Curtis's role bigger. He was on Numbers, right, at the time? Yes, yep. I never watched that. And you know, part of the reason I never watched that was because I was so angry about him not being in this movie. (laughs) No joke. Watch it. I blame the show. No, it's dead to me. Of course, how would we have felt if he was in this movie? Because they cannot keep the same same plot and put Bernard in there. And if they did, it would have been a masturbation of... Bernard. You wait. You sure. think well, look what they did with everybody else. Look what they did with everybody else. They didn't care. Well, but exactly. That's what I'm saying. He would yeah. have been this horrible, like pseudo Bernard. We were unhappy with Bernard in the second one. Bernard never would have let the workshop get that out of control. Even with Jack, he he wouldn't know. God, I hate Curtis. 
I'm all anti-bully and everything, just like everybody else is, and like we should be. But there's a part of me that just wants characters. that I just want a wedgie, Curtis, <laughs> so bad, man. Like, give that kid a swirly. He has it coming. Let's be honest. Uh, yeah. Ugh. <laughs> and he's awkward aging in this movie, by the way. Yeah. He's not yes. cute aging like some. Mm. He's awkward aging. Like his sister did. Yeah. Yeah, she's super cute aged. Yep. She had an awkward stage. I hated Carol's parents in this film. Oh, did you really? I thought Alan Arkin was phoning it in. Like, he wasn't even trying to act. He didn't try. That's what made me laugh. Uh, I'm father-in-law Christmas. (laughs) Do you blame him, though? No. Well, how did they get him in the first place? Did he lose a bet? Like, he's very (laughs) Alan Arkin, though. Honestly, guys. That's kind of Alan Arkin's thing. No, they, Alan Arkin had definitely had. I know what thing you're talking about, but it's not in this one. He's just phoning it in. He's bored. He has nothing to contribute to this film. <laughs> I, are we are we suddenly reminded of James Caan in uh, Santa Slay? James Caan <laughs> at least hammed it up. This guy couldn't even do that. Do the hammy performance. <laughs> Can we talk about the real shining star of this movie? Who? The Easter Bunny, especially in the outtakes. The outtakes on the Netflix. You've got to watch it on Netflix. I'd never Uh, seen the outtakes before. The outtakes are perfection. They're worth watching the movie. Absolutely, 100%. The the outtakes are good. And that's what annoys me when it's shown on TV, because they always fast forward through the credits to start whatever movies have come after it. Yeah, that's super. I just love how you said the Netflix. The Netflix. Yeah. Like the Walmarts. <laughs> so so we touched on this briefly last week. How do you guys feel about um Santa and Mrs. Claus being pregnant in this film? I don't Expecting enjoy it. A child. I don't like it. Although I can take all. her being pregnant more than I could the hanky panky talk at the end of the last one. Because now I'm just like, oh she's pregnant. La 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 I don't know how that happened. Poitus. They named the baby buddy. Yeah, I did. I did. I did. Forever. And then we also hearkened back to um, Christmas Vacation with the ball of lights. Mm -hmm. Right? Which I don't know if that was intentional, but made me laugh. When Neil gets the ball of lights, he's trying to untangle and they're decorating the tree, which, by the way, I thought was a beautiful scene. Them decorating the tree with the music in the background. I enjoyed that. It was very Christmas feel for me. I'm very glad that Carol's mother called out how weird it is. Oh, this is Scott's ex-wife and her new husband, Neil. <laughs> and, like, she was just so like off-put by the fact that Scott had invited his ex-wife and her new husband and his daughter up to, to Canada Christmas with them. <laughs> to, to Canada. I'm glad they addressed that, but I still love the idea that we're looking at a blended family that way. Mm-hmm. With my wife, oh, no, my I wife, do too. When my wife leaves me, I hope we can be on terms like that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So the first two films, well, the first one more than the second, had this timeless quality to it. And I think that was because it was made right on the cusp of when, before, you know, technology started improving at a very vast, uh, you know, fast rate. Um, Mm -hmm. This one seems... A lot more dated to me than the first one does. Oh yeah, if, it's really. If you're bad. working on a, if you're working on a Christmas movie and you're listening to this podcast, take the technology out of the equation. Hmm. Your your movie is never going to be timeless if you try to make it relevant now. 
Uh-uh. No, and don't use the the skills if they're not up to par. I mean, they're just yeah, laughable. Yeah, the CGI this one's laughable. The Although CGI I was happy was... they had limitation of reindeer. Sorry. Yeah, no, um, I was too. No chat. Yeah. No Chet. Even though one of them no sounded Chet. a heck of a lot. No, like Chet, Chet wasn't Chet one of the ones flying the parents there? Chet, it was he didn't Chet and specify by name, did he? Or did he? I thought he did. but Or if not, it, I think it was supposed to be Chet because he was doing the weird prancing yeah, thing as they were sounded, flying. Yeah. One of them sounded quite a lot like Chet, but he never... I don't remember. One, one of them was definitely Comet because he called Comet. Yeah. One was Comet. Yeah. Right. Which I still like Comet. Oh, that makes me sad. I was kind of hoping they put Chet down at some point. <laughs> what made me sad the most was in the alternate reality when you saw like the kids treating the reindeer like a petting zoo and shoving like food down their throats <laughs> and the reindeer looked so distressed. Yeah. Like that legit bothered me. I'm a big animal guy. I'm- yeah, there are places you can go where you can like see and engage with reindeer in public. And I think that's kind of what they were commenting on in that alternate reality is, is those kind of things where animals are in these tiny pens and you get to, you know, walk by and gawk at them. Oh, I, t- uh, I totally go there. Show it. It's just even it's though sad. I knew the reindeer were laughably fake, like it still made it was me still really sad. Upset. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's this, there was this, a few years ago, we went to this place called Halloween Town or something, Pumpkin Town here in Tulsa. And uh, you got to pay and, and go walk with these animals. And we went with Ellie's birth mom while she was pregnant with Ellie. And um, there was this morbidly obese pig that could hardly walk. And they just kept shoving marshmallows down its throat the whole time. Oh. And it's, it, it brought back the same feeling. It's just. I'm a big proponent sad. on Twitter of the hashtag that's always trending. Hashtag open the cages. I'm all about animal rights. That's my big like, mm. cause. So since we were just talking about the, since we were talking about the reindeer and the alternate reality, let's talk about the alternate reality plot for a minute. Uh, one, I hate the hall of snow globes and I hate that the snow globe wasn't the original snow globe from the first and the second one. That mm-hmm. really bothered me. It's not like they lost it. It's not like it went somewhere. Just yeah. How hard would it be? Globe. And it's not yeah. like even if they did lose it, they couldn't put on one of those movies and recreate it. So that yeah. really annoyed me, especially considering that. That snow globe played a significant role in both of those movies. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just—it was so. I don't know. I don't even want to get into it. I hated that the hollow snow globe was hidden behind a red deer vending machine. Red deer made me laugh. <laughs> that, was, that was another aspect. I was like, "Come on, like that's not my." I like my old North Pole a little more old-fashioned. I like it full of puns. <laughs> You're an enigma, Julia. <laughs> yeah, you're cool with the red deer, but if his watch had been a little more high tech in the last film, you would have been annoyed. Yeah, I would have. Been I don't get you. <laughs> <laughs> Going back to uh, real quick, just since you talked about Jack Frost in the hall, did you guys read what the Rotten Tomatoes said about Jack Frost? No, I... no. The critical consensus reads. Playing Jack Frost as an evil cross between Liza Minnelli and Liberace, Martin Short is welcome presence, but this tired series continues drawing from its bag of bland gags and dumb slapstick. Oh, it's so right. It's it so is, right. Liberace and Liza Minnelli. Oh, but that's, that's very Lucille Martin too. Short, though, isn't it? It is. I mean, all it of is. his characters are just 
you know, across between those two. notches too high. Yeah. Well, I mean, even like Jiminy Glick, right? Talk about an overdone. Jiminy Glick. Is that his name? Yeah. Jiminy Glick, one of Martin Short's most popular characters. That on real SNL? chubby guy on the couch. Yeah, on SNL. And he had a I show for a while, and he's like a therapist or something, maybe. I'll I literally turn off if I see him. Yeah, they're all overdone. So that did not help me like the the blast from the past part of this movie. I, the so alternative reality when they just go, made me sad. It's when just, they go back in time, it's so bad how they tried to integrate the new footage with the old footage. First of all, the house was not isolated like that in the original film. He had a house bordering him on either side. didn't have a big hedge around it. Mm-hmm. Or a snowman in the yard because he was a Mr. Grinch and didn't uh, like any of that crap. Right. Secondly, when what they're you- wrestling on the ground behind that snowman, you're telling me that's, that they <laughs> that snowman was big enough so to big. shield the, to shield them from Scott Calvin of the past when he comes running outside. <laughs> it was a gigantic snowman. They were literally yelling at each other. That's my coat. As like Scott Calvin and Charlie were outside talking, I was like, how do how do they not hear these guys? <laughs> oh gosh yeah i don't yeah but the alternate timeline so i think where scott ended up in that future if he had never become santa was pretty realistic to the course he was kind of on at the beginning of the santa claus where he was overworked he wasn't this big family guy who got along with laura and neil him and charlie had this strained relationship so i could have seen him had he not become santa it made sense to me that he would be this big company guy with like almost no family interaction whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That trajectory seems right. The idea that Jack Frost turned the North pole into this big commercial tourist trap destination was awful. And his look as Santa Claus. It was just creepy looking. Mm-hmm. It was even worse than, than he looked as Jack Frost. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was. There is literally you- nothing from the past from the alternate reality that I liked. Not a, not from the moment he walked into. I didn't like sorry, I don't like the Hall of Snow Globes. It was weird. Mm-hmm. Um it just yeah. seems very it seems like a very an unnecessarily vulnerable point to create in a storyline. Not um, not to mention if that was so important to every Santa, you would have thought Bernard would have shown him the Hall of Snow Globes in the first one. But maybe maybe we weren't supposed to know about it. <laughs> <laughs> but no Maybe. i overall i still liked the past the most out of this film just because i felt like that's where the most the plot was actually moving i was like okay he there he has a purpose now he's not just being pranked by jack frost at the north pole none of which worked for him and being hashtag not my santa we had two hashtag not my santas in this mm-hmm. yeah. yeah and one was the hashtag my santa from the past yeah, yeah. okay I hated the arrest scene. The elf police, the idea of elf police just really bothers me. The idea the that officer? The, North, the officer. You didn't like the officers? I the don't like the idea left. that you need law enforcement at the North Pole. But it's a village. Yeah. There's a whole city there. That didn't bother me. But they're freaking elves. They have they special ops right? units in the first one who are deployed to go rescue Santa with jetpacks. The yeah, elf cops didn't really if, bother if, me. So if you much. remember, if you remember, though, I complained about that about the elf 
jetpacks in this and Arthur Christmas and every other time we're going to see stupid stuff like that, I'm going to complain. And I, I really think the magic hug. Okay, Lucy in general, I didn't really like her in the second one. I hated her in this one. I loved her in the second one. I thought she was adorable and cute, but the magic hug thing was over the top and far too faux sentimental for me. It did not work. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. I mean, like, why is this weird kid's hug that he doesn't know going to suddenly unfreeze him and heal everybody? Like, Jack Frost. Okay, so for those of you who don't know, Jack Frost had to get thawed himself so that he could unthaw. Well, he started freezing people. Neil was the first. He, he froze Neil and Laura because they walked – because Lucy went to them because she walked in on Jack Frost stealing Uncle Scott's <coughs> And uh, they were gonna. He was afraid they were gonna go tell somebody, so he froze them and basically used that to threaten Lucy. Why he didn't just freeze Lucy? I don't know. <laughs> right, right. That would have been. So he, he's supposed to be this cold-hearted guy, clearly, because he needs his heart melted at the end. You would have thought he would have had no sympathy or no problem freezing this a girl. This would have been a great time for not only the heart thawing, but for it to grow two sizes too. I mean, that would have been a great <laughs> callback right there. <laughs> But I mean, well, again, a missed opportunity for a callback, just like a missed opportunity in the second one, not having Rudolph instead of Chet. Yeah, but the uh, and then then finally telling her parents, oh, by the way, guys, this isn't Canada. Oh. Like, like, of course, it's not Canada. <laughs> God, they were I dumb. <laughs> I don't. Maybe maybe her parent. Maybe that's why she hated Christmas so much. Her parents were so. I, d- I did like when he came back from the past and Scott had that Scrooge moment where he all of a sudden was overly cheerful and happy when he woke up and was like going around hugging people and like glad to be back. And I'll never, you know, I'll never leave again. I love you. Blah, 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 blah. When he started acting like Santa again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so that begs the question, does this movie pass the Linus test? Uh, maybe it's how many times does it pass? I want to say no, because I'm sorry, a movie should not need Santa to experience the Linus test. This I mean, is not the first movie loud. where Santa passed the Linus test. I know it's no. not, but it's stupid and it shouldn't be needed. Especially when he's already done passed it once. Right. Yeah, I feel like if you've done it once and then you're messing it up again, then we got real, real issues. But I would imagine some people would argue that Jack Frost passes the line of he doesn't, pass, oh, he doesn't learn anything lucy just tricks him into th- and thaws him he doesn't learn anything i agree he was, in, he was entrapped in the end by our hug t- <laughs> <laughs> such a grinchy thing to say <laughs> stinking hug Grabble, grabble, grabble. but no um, he he does not pass the linus test the film passes it even whether you're not you think santa needs to have a linus moment he passes the linus test yeah. I still think it's stupid and unnecessary, but it does pass the lightest test. <laughs> this whole movie was stupid and unnecessary. Yes. Even I'm the kid who I'm... played Charlie knew better than not to come back for it, except for one scene at the end. Yeah. Yo, I'm going to go snowboarding. Thanks, Dad, for letting me go. I love that. I heard it, and I'm like, whoa, that was a, that was a quick, easy button push of this movie. Well done, Charlie. <laughs> Any quotes um, you guys loved? Um, I have a quote, and it's after Lucy asks to come to the North Pole, and Scott's hesitant. Neil is like, now wait a minute, Scott. 
Let's pause a moment here and take a feelings inventory. Let's look at what you're doing as an uncle from a therapeutic standpoint. Charlie's been to the pole. Your new baby's being born at the pole. Lucy's a member of this family too, Scott. And if you harshly exclude her from this formative experience, you could scar her for life. And consequently, her parents, who must accompany her on long journeys. <laughs> and I just love that because it was totally him. He just wanted to go so bad. So he was mm-hmm. like, I like that. I feel like there should have been an explanation. I'm sorry. I'm not his, her uncle. We should have gotten that out of the way there. <laughs> that shows what a good scent he is, though, right? He can't say no to a child. He was wooed over by her puppy dog eyes. Please, Uncle Scott. Oh, <laughs> that kid. Anyway, what about you guys? Uh, yeah, I've got a quote. I mm-hmm. don't have many, but this one's on my list. No, I but I actually liked either. Bud. I actually liked Mrs. Harvey's dad. I like it when he's sanding that door and he goes as smooth as a baby's butt. Feel it. <laughs> Scott Calvin goes, oh, yeah, very butt-like. <laughs> <laughs> Going back to the Easter Bunny, I just love how he chimes in when they're talking about all the stuff that uh, – I don't have this one written down – when they have all the, the stuff that uh, Jack Frost does and she's like, oh, you made it snow in Mexico and, and disrupted the bird's flight patterns or whatever. And the Easter Bunny just says, and you kill fruit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that laugh. That's his concern. I, I like Jack Frost's indignation, like how jealous he is of Santa. You get the Coca-Cola cans, you get the TV specials, and what do I get? A few runny noses and some dead citrus. <laughs> Well, I'm going to favorite scenes. Okay. Anybody listening that has not seen the outtakes, see the outtakes. They're awesome. They're on Netflix. Watch the movie on Netflix. Skip the entire thing if you want. Just head straight to the outtakes. They're freaking funny. I wish I would have known that. I would have watched them before this. I do have one more quote I like where Jack Frost tells Santa, you're not Santa anymore. You're just, you're just the guy who smells like a cookie. <laughs> <laughs> Um, there was another Jack Frost I liked in the alternate timeline. It reminded me of Dwight in that one episode of The Office we covered. And Jack Frost is like, remember, kids, how much your parents love you depends on how much they spend on your gift. It reminded <laughs> me of Dwight flipping Princess Unicorn. And he made a comment like that, too. Or, but, or like uh, uh, when Michael said, you know, gifts are a great way to, to say, I love you this much. <laughs> <laughs> this many dollars worth. So before we go into final thoughts, Tom, you made a joke kind of last week where you said, is this really the end of the trilogy though? So do you guys actually think it is the end or is Disney going to run this cow dry? I think I have, I have no faith in Hollywood not beating dead horses anymore. So if you watch the trailer for this film, it literally describes this movie in the trailer back when trailers still did voiceovers as the final chapter and the greatest Santa story ever told. But I could see that. I don't know. I can't see them doing a direct sequel, but I can see them maybe doing something which seems to be the new craze in Hollywood, like an indirect sequel or something like either a reboot or or just reboot it. They're either going to do a, if they, do anything with it. I don't. I think it's either going to be a reboot or it's going to be somebody taking the mantle from Scott down the line. I don't know. Charlie. Yeah. What happens Turning when a Santa business? dies naturally? Can a Santa die naturally? Ooh, better question. Hmm. If a Santa dies in a forest and no one's there. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, but maybe their reboot would be a quasi sequel where somebody says, "Hey, you!" and Scott falls off the roof. Mm. Uh, that would actually be kind of a funny start to a movie. <laughs> Although the, Sa- I would, the I would... Santa Claus we know and love and grew up with, and that's been in the movie since 1994, <laughs> you think it would be a funny start to watch him fall off the roof and kill himself? Well, I would just, I would just, wow, man, make me sound evil. I would just want to see how they deal with it. Like, what would happen to Carol? Um, uh, she would, would get taken outside by the execution squad. Would anybody at the North Pole care? <laughs> I mean, all of our philosophical questions would be answered at this point, right? Good point. They couldn't Good. just ignore the. They couldn't just ignore all of that if they if they kill off Scott. Sure, they can. <laughs> what if we got a prequel with the other Santa Claus and saw how little the elves cared about <laughs> I really like how dark this podcast gets. <laughs> it's much easier to do with the movie we're all hating on. Maybe it was um, just, or again, I think it'd be great to see you know a, a, a mean Santa and not a Santa who's not nice to his elves. Santa slay Santa. Go to this North Pole. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that movie's okay. so bad. <laughs> okay, so final thoughts on this movie, guys. Tom, you go first this time. I'm done. Okay. <laughs> I've said everything that I have to say about this movie. Joya. Um, I don't hate it as much as I used to hate it. That doesn't mean I like it, but um, missed opportunity. Shouldn't it's, have existed. <laughs> that was my nickname in high school. So. <laughs> For me, it was a missed opportunity, and that's it. Like, there was a story there, but they just had no idea how to execute it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll never go out of my way to watch this movie again, but I'm sure I'll see it a million more times just because of how often Freeform plays it. Probably. And, and I basically do not change that channel come the holiday season. All season. I don't yeah. know. Real quick, last question. Well, I think the answer is obvious. You guys, do you guys not think it's a good follow-up to the first two? No. no. Okay. We're all in agreement then. So are we ready to rank this puppy? Yeah, man. Yeah, let's rank it. Julia, you first. I'm going to give it a three. Tom? Uh, so I have to preface this. I gave I'll Be Home for Christmas a two, and I think it's a little better than that. And then I gave Arthur Christmas a three, and it's not as good as Arthur Christmas to me, so I'm giving it a 2.75. I'm going to give it a five, because it's better than Arthur Christmas for me. So that brings it to a 3.583 repeating. It is between the Grinch live action and One Magic Christmas. You know, as I look at our our movies together, I, I... I'm not as happy with some of my, my reviews. I really think I'll be home for Christmas as bad as it was is not as bad as one magic Christmas. I think the only movie we've seen that's worse than one magic Christmas for me is Santa's sleigh. I still love that. I still, every now and then I'll show that opening scene to somebody who's never seen that movie before. That <laughs> opening scene is bonkers. <laughs> um, okay. So Tom, do you want to talk about Patreon for a bit? Yep. So we've got our Patreon up. We have, in January, we released the unedited version of the Office Christmas episodes episode. Um, we're working on our, our plan for February. We're going to try to release at least one thing a month that you get access to for just 
a dollar. Uh, so feel free to support us there. And if you support us at at least a $5 level, we'll go ahead and mail a Tis the Podcast limited edition sticker your way. They are awesome, guys. Also, don't forget to like us, review us, rate us on iTunes, as well as any of the other podcast hosting services that you use to listen to this super awesome Christmas podcast. And interact with us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and on our website, tisthepodcast.com. Um, and subreddit. And subreddit. Yes, I always forget that one. I'm a total Reddit newbie, but let me tell you, I really love, I really love our Tis the Podcast subreddit on Reddit. It's Did very I say active. that right? <clears throat> yep. Okay, good. Um, but come talk to us because we're pretty chatty, I think. We like to respond. <clears throat> so we actually got a really nice Facebook message from a new listener. I'm not going to read the whole thing because she wrote a really lengthy one, which we appreciate. Um, her name's Sarah. She's from Australia. She's found us recently through the Christmas Past podcast, which she found through the Christmas Stocking podcast, which she found through the House of Seven Santas and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so she really likes hearing our perspectives on Christmas and winter and everything because she's from Australia. So her Christmas is obviously in the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, but she recommended a bunch of movies for us, some of which we actually have scheduled this year. And... Um, She's always taught, she remembers Rudolph when, from when it first aired. And uh, yeah, she wrote a really nice, very nice message. So I just wanted to give her a shout out and say we appreciated that. And, um, you know, thanks for listening to us and joining our Christmas journey. It was super sweet. It made me smile reading it. I got a text today from one of my oldest friends and my former college roommate. Um, he, is, he has a job and is currently working away from his family in the middle of nowhere. Um, so we sent him a care package today with a bunch of comics and books and stuff to read to try to lighten his, his mood a little bit. But he said he was currently feeling pretty homesick. And our episode was nice to hear. It was good to hear something wholesome and fun. And he thanked us for that. You're welcome, Hello. Adam. Thank you Thanks, for listening. Adam. He also harassed me for saying that uh, Dan Carlin's Hardcore History podcast was too long. Um, I uh, Yeah, thank you, Adam, for harassing him for that. Four <laughs> hours for a podcast is too much. I'm sorry. I love it, man. It Four gets me, hours. by the time you're done with it, halfway through the workday, I'm like, yes, that flew by. I, can't, I actually I, have I, a question for you guys this week, which I just came up with talking about this episode. So I think it's uh-oh. pertinent. So I'm springing it on you guys. Which movie or television special or, you know, any Christmas-related thing has your favorite version of the North Pole? Elf. Oh, that's really hard. That's what she said. That's what she said. Elf. Um, <laughs> you're just going to keep saying it. No other ones have the, uh, uh, the great music to accompany the North Pole that Elf does. No, None true. of them have Arctic Puffin. That's true. Uh, or Norwal. I'm going to go uh, Santa Claus the movie, the workshop in that one. Yeah, so that's what I was leaning to. Really? That workshop. Yeah. Well, didn't we talk about this like we did a week or so ago? Yeah, I, I, there's a ton of nostalgia in that one for me. That might be why I like it the most. You guys were talking about it on the uh, on uh, Slack, right? Oh, were we? I don't know. I, so. I don't even remember. What I have for breakfast, guys. I'm sorry, but yeah, that's yeah, the one I'll, I would have to go for. Yep, I'm with you on that one. I, although I really do love Elf. Yeah, I love yeah, the gray and the car. Yeah. Although I guess I can't really complain about other ones looking cartoonish and fake if I love Elf. 
I don't know. It's got something fresh about it. It, it really does. does. Good question. Thank you. I just figured it that, was, it came to me when we were discussing how much the North Pole changed from the first one and the second one and the third one. And I was like, oh, that's a good question to ask. There's a I good did like the my I, answer is going to change as we watch more movies. So yeah. yeah. Fun. We should yeah. revisit it next January after, uh, after another year of movies. Yeah, that'd be cool. I did like the, the, the North Pole in the first one of these, though. I, I really like the workshop. The workshop, and I mean, it just with all the natural wood, and it, it was very homey. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, next week, we'll be covering the 2000 Nicolas Cage and Taylor Leone movie, Family Man. And I'm really excited. Leone. I love her. Spoiler alert I've been excited about this movie since we started the podcast. Spoiler alert, me too. Spoiler alert. But <laughs> oh, we'll get to that next week. I will. I've already warned you, Anthony. I will cut you if you give this movie next week a bad review. That will be the. Uh, there will be no redemption for our friendship at that point. <laughs> you know what I am excited about next week's movie? I'm excited to use my new notebook to take notes in when I'm watching it. My new oh, that's so cool. skin notebook. That's awesome. Yeah, and awesome. we're, I will give you more to look forward to because I've already started researching getting my our, our uh, outline together for next week. Uh, you're gonna like the music in next week's episode a lot. Who me? You both. It's Danny Elfman. Oh, oh I love awesome. the music. Yeah, I've got the score. I love it. I do too. I do too. I was so listening beautiful. to it. It was a front runner for Marty and uh, wedding music, like ceremony music. One of the really? pieces. I don't remember the name of it now? Yeah. So, so do you um, have homework, be, guys? I'm kind of looking. I'm kind of looking forward to doing a movie where we actually can talk about the actors and go a little bit more in depth because we've been doing the the, the last two weeks have been the have been sequels and that's not as much and then fun the office to prior to that we all know those characters. I have yeah. a lot to say about Nick Cage, but There's uh, a lot to be said about Nick Cage. We're friends with his cousin. Anyway, watch it. Watch it afresh. Watch it afresh. Watch it. I, I I do go into all of them with a fresh mind. I really do. I usually do accept this one to this week. <laughs> There, there are a few on the list that we have scheduled. I'm looking forward to watching again because I want to. I hope my opinion changes because I don't like hating on any Christmas movie. For those of you who don't follow our subreddit, uh, Anthony made a, a a post where he talked about how his view of Hallmark movies has somewhat changed. I think I talked about it on the podcast. Was that it? It was I last week. Subreddit too. Maybe I don't know. What'd you have for breakfast, Anthony? <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, Julia, I think you have some news for us. I do have some news, and it's not so terrible. Only 330 days till Christmas, guys. Which is only 47 weeks. Not bad. I feel like, I don't know, maybe it's just the, it's the fact that we're saying it every week. It, I feel like the year is already going by faster than in the yeah. past. Or maybe I'm just more cognizant of how much closer we are to Christmas because of the podcast. I think I think the podcast is definitely helping it go by fast. It is for me anyway. Yeah. Oh yeah. You guys, y'all seriously helped my uh, my post Christmas blues this year a lot. It was not nearly as bad as it has been for me. Do your homework, guys, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. I'll be back. you know, and all the rest of those reindeer cats. But you know there ain't no way that reindeer can pass no driver test. <laughs> but you believe that Santa Slay got a big black Chevrolet? Think he's gonna make it around the world on Christmas Day?
got a hot rod. 